You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Green Smith, episode 435. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP435. Oh, and a quick note before we jump in. When I was recording this episode, I was situated in a way that I kept bumping my microphone. <laughs> I did realize and was able to change that, but if you hear any little like kind of bonking noise very slightly in the background for the first 10, 11 minutes or so, that's what it is. It does go away, and I appreciate you working with me on not being fucking perfect. All right, here's the show. there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing or your partner asks what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Hey, hey, audience. Amy here, and I am super pumped to be continuing our series on stress. If you caught last week's episode, it was brilliant with Dr. Marisa Snyder, and we were talking a lot about how the effects of chronic stress hormones in our system can radically affect our health in a really negative way. And we talked about how in a lot of traditional Western approaches to health, women's hormones tend to be written off or not really even fully understood. So there's many ways in which we're experiencing extreme stress, and then we're told just to relax or just to take some time out, and how that's not really the solution for many of us out there. So please be sure to catch that episode. And then I'm going to be talking today about really understanding and breaking the stress cycle. And I'm going to be working off the the book and body of work from Emily and Amelia Nagowski. If you're not familiar with them, they're twin sisters. And Emily is kind of a pioneer in understanding sexuality and is an educator in that field. And she wrote in a brilliant book called Come As You Are. And if you have not read that book, I highly suggest you do. It was really mind-blowing to me around my own sexuality and around the things that I had been taught about female pleasure and things like that and how so much of what we deem normal, healthy sexual appetite, we gauge that against men instead of really creating a lot of room for so much more vastness as far as desire. And anyway, I could go on and on and on. But the reason I bring that up is in that book that Emily wrote, she had a portion in there about stress and about burnout. 
And overwhelmingly, the response to that book, Come As You Are, which we'll definitely link in the show notes, overwhelmingly, people said, we need to know more about this burnout stuff. And so she paired up with her sister, her twin sister, Amelia, and they co-wrote the book Burnout together, which we'll also put in the show notes. And there is a really great video with the two of them kind of giving a little synopsis on why they wrote this book together. Uh, Amelia, her doctoral degree is actually in, it's related to choral sciences, like conducting and, and music. So she was talking about like, why the hell did I write this book with Emily? And she talks about two really pivotal moments during her doctoral program where she was dealing with chronic stress that was manifesting itself physically, but doctors could not figure out what was wrong. And so between her and Emily, they really dug into a lot of materials and books and research around the stress cycle and ended up writing this book, which I think is really phenomenal. So I did get a lot of the information today from that particular YouTube video that they posted, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. So the deal and what they talk about as it relates to our stress system is a biological process in our bodies that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that the cycle of a beginning, middle, and an end is almost a primitive luxury. It's not really something that we're able to complete all of the time. So in the in this video, they talk about how there's a disconnect between what activates the stress response in our modern life and then what completes the stress response. And here's what they mean by that. Our modern world is set up in a way that we have a prolonged exposure to stressors that really never end, all right? So for our primitive ancestors, if we had an elevated stress response, it was really geared towards warding off an imminent threat, like being attacked by an opposing tribe or a lion, And so the system would get stressed out. It would activate all of the stress hormones, activate that sympathetic nervous system to get out of that impending threat and danger. And then once the stressor was removed, then we could let go of the stress, gain that safety, calm down, and complete the stress cycle, meaning that it was done, right? Like that little snippet of stress was done, was completed. Now, in our modern life, we have a myriad of different stressors that never go away. Things like traffic, dealing with your children, worrying about money, worrying about the state of where our world is. Things that we can't necessarily run away from. We can't necessarily simply remove the stressor and just be fine. They are constant and they are consistent. Now, there's an additional point that I want to make about this, and that is there are layers 
and additional levels of threat. So one of the things that they talk about in this video is that those who identify as women or are femme presenting, they live with gender as a constant low-level stressor. And I talked about this a lot in my episode with Dr. Valerie Rain, and we'll link in the show notes as well, where we talked about patriarchy stress disorder, where there are a bevy of different symptoms that women or those who identify as women or are femme presenting have incurred because of our society that we just adopt. And in fact, the Nagowski sisters were talking in this video about a study that was done on rats. And if you are sensitive to discussion about animal testing, this might not, it's not, it's not gory or anything, but trigger warning, I'm just talking a little bit so that you can press fast forward if you don't like to hear about animal testing. It's not gory at all. So they talk about this test that was done on on laboratory rats, which we which are commonly tested on because of the similarities with the human systems. And they looked at males versus females and they they put them in really stressful situations and they wanted to gauge who could be under stress longer and survive longer. Like who can carry the most stress essentially. So they would do different things to them, like, you know, throwing throwing little things, you know, at their heads, you know, that, that made them seem like they were in danger or something like that, or uh, tilting their cages, things like that, incurred some stress. And then they put them into some water to see how long they would tread water before they gave up. And what they found was that the male rats would give up significantly faster. In fact, the women, the, the women, the female rats, the women rats would continue to swim twice as long as the male rats. They were able to sustain an elevated level of stress. Now, when you compound that with other intersections of marginalized identities, like persons who are living uh, with poverty, residing in a fat body, residing in a body with a disability, who are a part of the queer community, people of color, black individuals, now we're layering on more and more consistent threats to the system, consistent stressors to the system that are unavoidable, right? Like it's not like the mountain lion where we can just go, okay, that little level of threat or stress is now done and now I can go into my parasympathetic and calm the fuck down. There are ways in which being at the intersection of some of those identities create elevated levels of stress. And I think that's important to recognize and acknowledge as a society so that we can better appreciate different people and what their lived experiences are, but that we can also then advocate for them and advocate for racial equality and equity and 
access for people who and acceptance for people who have disabilities or reside in a fat body or help to end poverty, all of these social justice issues that we don't necessarily look at how incredibly stressful it is to reside in this society with those elevated levels of threat to the body. All right. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I think it really warrants understanding for empathy, for compassion, for us just being better humans. So those are the first kind of two points that I really want to underline. Number one, understanding what that cycle is and why we are having such a difficult time completing the cycle. And then two, how additional levels of threat influence us based off of our various identities. Now, obviously, all I can speak to is being a woman, being female, right? That's my piece of the puzzle. Because as many of you know, I'm pansexual. I do identify as queer, but I'm in a very heterosexual presenting relationship, which means I don't incur nearly the level of stress or threat that other Others who reside in in the queer community have to battle on a daily basis. If I'm speaking then about identifying as female, operating in this world under gender bias and recognizing that for many women, we have been taught that our responsibility is to carry all of the weight, is to give and give and give and give and self-sacrifice and be quiet and not raise a ruckus and continue to give and give and give and give. So where that relates to our stress and maintaining our stress is that we are taking on so many things that are unacceptable. And then it leads us to these conditioned behaviors around, let's say, people-pleasing, where we aren't okay unless everybody else is okay. And so what I'm really wanting to underline here is the stress that's incurred from people-pleasing and trying to make everybody else happy is literally bad for your health. So no wonder we're starting to see a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week with Dr. Marisa, where we're seeing all of these hormone issues and autoimmune issues and adrenal fatigue and all these things that are kind of disproportionately affecting women. It's like, no wonder. So I highly suggest that we start contending with these people-pleasing defense mechanisms and start untangling them, not just for the fuck of it, but because our health depends on it. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. I believe that our self-worth is dependent on that. That is why we need to start speaking up and altering our relationship with constantly caretaking for everybody at all costs. I'm not saying you can't want to be a caretaker or be in a helping profession or enjoy philanthropy or giving back. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about a complete self-sacrifice that is affecting your health and how you are able to show up in this world. Not accepting help. This is another huge one. 
We think we've got to do it all on our own. In many cultures, raising children is not something that you do by yourself. And while you're working one job, two job, three jobs, and trying to do all of the things and not to mention layer on this pandemic and now you're responsible for fucking teaching them too, for educating them, for doing all of those additional elements. It's disproportionately falling on women. We don't ever say to men, oh my God, you're a working dad? Or, oh gosh, that must be so hard for you to be away from the kids while, while you're at work. We don't say that type of stuff because we assume that those stressors will be incurred by women and that they will shut the fuck up about it and just deal with it. And then we penalize them for actually wanting help, for wanting help around the house or wanting help with the childcare or wanting help with the education. No, fuck no. It's damaging to your health. So, What can we do? We cannot uproot the system all at once, but we can start to pick it apart. We can start chiseling away at these old paradigms that no longer serve us. And one of the ways that we can say a giant fuck you to patriarchal oppression and ridiculous archaic gender stereotypes and norms is by actually asking for help. Because you know what that does? That says, I fucking deserve it. I deserve help. I deserve support. I am worthy of that. And you might be hearing my microphone banging around a little bit because I get worked up about it. And then it shakes my whole apparatus I have over here. So here's what I need you to hear. Based off of gender alone and the other disparities that we mentioned earlier, you are incurring a greater level of stress that is affecting your well-being, your mental health, your physical health. So that means what we can do is we can reckon with people-pleasing. We can start asking for and accepting help from others. And we can start relinquishing, taking on every damn thing. All right. So what do we do about this? How do, how, where, where do we take this from here? All right. Number three is I want you to analyze your specific stressors. What are they? Take an inventory. What are the things that you ruminate on? that replay in your mind over and over again, what keeps you up at night? That's number three. You need to start observing. And this might not be a bad idea to take, I don't know, two, three days and examine what got most of your time and energy. Now, there are positive stresses, right? Like I think a lot of parents out there would say, my kids stress me the fuck out, but I would never want to be without them. I think that's a very common sentiment. Now, I have heard from a few others who are like, I wouldn't do it again if I I understood. But I do think the more common sentiment is, I love them. They've enriched my life in a way that I didn't know was possible. And it's the most extreme amount of stress that I've ever incurred. It's the hardest job I've ever had. So I want you to start examining where are the 
the the stress elements getting really fucking kicked up. When do you have extreme emotional discomfort? I mentioned a few weeks ago how either physical feeling or emotional feeling can and discomfort in those categories, uncomfortable physical feelings, uncomfortable emotional feelings could really clue us into areas that need change. So if you're emotionally feeling things like overwhelm or sadness or frustration or resentment, anger, fear, or if you're feeling physical feelings like exhaustion, you're feeling worn out, you're feeling pain and aches, those can be really indicative that there's something that's happening in this stress cycle. So pay attention to those because those might be your entry points. So before we continue on, I wanted to ask a quick favor from you. Do you ever listen to the pod, and I think this might happen for you, where you think, damn, I really wish so-and-so could hear this. Maybe it's your coworker who could actually use a lesson or two on boundaries, or maybe it is a women's group that you're a part of where everyone is super on board for speaking up for themselves, but nobody really knows what that really sounds like. Okay, where well, here's where you come in. I have three battle-tested and badass keynote speeches that are ready to be delivered to your company, organization, group, association. So if you, your community, or anyone you know could benefit from me rocking the mic, like who couldn't use some new tools, right? Please send them over to amygreensmith.com slash speaking where you or they can message me directly about specific needs for the audience. Shocker, the three keynotes are focused around speaking up, contending with fear, and accessing enoughness. And all three of them can be delivered either in person or virtually, and of course can be completely customized for specific audience needs. So again, simply send them to amygreensmith.com dot com slash speaking where they can get in touch with me because listen it is time that women everywhere have the tools necessary to use their voice take up space and advocate for their wants needs and opinions like yesterday and if you end up orchestrating an opportunity for me to speak with your group you will officially get unlimited squeezes from me <laughs> And I'm sure you're all in now. And be sure to let them know that I can always temper my <clears throat> colorful language if needed. And thank you. Before we continue, I wanted to take a quick moment to thank Let's Get Checked for sponsoring this podcast. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing super easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Well, testing for what, you might ask? Well, they have a huge array of at-home testing kits, including women's health, men's health, sexual health, and wellness kits. In fact, I did two of the women's hormone testing kits, and it could not have been easier. And then when I received the results, I was able to simply forward them onto my naturopath to get her thoughts. All you do is you simply choose your test online. It will be delivered to you in discreet packaging with next day delivery. And then once your sample arrives in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. 
Once your results are available, they'll be reviewed by a physician, and then a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone. And in some cases, a physician will be able to provide prescriptions to the pharmacy of your choosing. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. Let's Get Checked lets you avoid uncomfortable office visits by providing you with access to home testing and professional medical consultations without ever leaving your home. It has never been this simple to get tested. So get this. If you want to try a test from Let's Get Checked, all you got to do is go to trylgc.com slash bold truth to save a whopping 30% on your first test kit. 30%. Just use the code bold truth, all one word at checkout. That's bold truth to save 30% on your first test kit. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, number four, this is not going to be applicable to everybody, but I want you to think about, is there a possibility of removing the stressor? Now, of course, we're not going to be like, okay, I'm going to get rid of my kids (laughs) or I'm just going to quit my job or I'm going to throw away this marriage, right? Like that, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am looking at, are there any elements that you can remove? Almost like, okay, if I feel like there's this lion chasing me, are there any lions that I can just put out of their misery, that I can just get out of this equation? Now, for some of you out there, it might be a job change. It might be really consciously and intentionally looking at changing that job arrangement. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was talking about this on the show, how A lot of times what I see with my students and clients, if they are heavily immersed in either a workplace or a home environment that is extremely toxic and negative, it's virtually, I I won't say it's impossible, but it makes their job so much harder to actually work on themselves, to gain confidence. When you're working in a place that beats you down all the time or you're constantly so overwhelmed that you never feel competent because you can't, this system is set up for you to fail, that doesn't bode well for your self-worth. And same thing can happen at home. If you're around a partner or a child or a parent or a friend, a roommate who is creating a really highly stressful environment at home where you don't really feel safe emotionally or physically, that can be very difficult to be like, I'm going to work on my self-worth or I'm going to work on my confidence because your immediate area, your the place where you're spending so much of your time and energy doesn't feel safe. So be gentle with yourself in there. Are there any stresses stressors that you can remove? Is there a friendship you can scale back from? Is it a relationship that might need some boundaries? Is there an obligation that you can mitigate and say, you know what, I'm actually not going to take that on any longer? Is it something that you've said yes to over and over and over again that you never have enjoyed? Are there any things that you can go, you know what, I don't fucking like going to church anymore? Or I don't, I don't enjoy volunteering for this thing. It has become so stressful for me. Is there a way that you can remove the stressor? or at the very least, scale down. Now let's talk about what are some things that we can do to start 
relieving that stress. And the idea is that we're going to kind of psych out the stress cycle. Because from it, you know, we're not going to just get rid of the kids. We're not going to get rid of traffic all of a sudden. You know, there's all these things that we're not going to just magically have disappear. But we can kind of feign the end of the stress cycle. So Emily and Amelia in that YouTube video that that I'm going to link for y'all, they talk about three specific things that you can do. And then I'm going to add an additional bunch of ideas that can be helpful as well. So they talk about just straight up moving. Just move your body. Now, this is designed to trick the body into thinking that it's actually escaping from that threat, like primitively reminding the body that we are moving away from that mountain lion. So for that reason, the movement is going to be more effective if it's intense. So we're talking elliptical or dancing or higher paced aerobic activity, going for a run, jumping, those sorts of things where it's a more energy exertion that's happening with the body. Okay. The second thing that they identify is a hug. And this really taps in to our sense of safety. Now, it's imperative that you do this with somebody you feel safe with, that you trust, so that it helps kind of bolster that level of calming that nervous system, allowing you to enter into the parasympathetic. If you haven't heard this before, the sympathetic nervous system is commonly referred to as fight-flight. We know that there are two additional levels of the fear response which are freezing and also fawning. And I did an, an episode specifically on those four primitive fear responses and their modern iterations. We'll throw that into the show notes as well. But so there's this kind of catchphrase of sympathetic is fight flight. Parasympathetic is tend and befriend. <laughs> I've heard a couple of different ones, uh, but that's the one that I that – I, oh, no, there's another one, rest and digest. I really like that one. So for doing sort of wordplay, tend and befriend, rest and digest. That's what we need when we've been operating under this fight-flight. If we're in that fight-flight stress response, we feel like we are being threatened, whether that's not meeting a deadline or what the other parents at your kid's school are going to think or – fuck if we're going to get sick from COVID or, you know, there's a sort of a, a bevy of different things that we're experiencing that threat level. So if you have a hug with somebody for 20 seconds, it helps activate that parasympathetic, helps get you into that rest and digest. The heart rate lowers, the blood pressure starts to decrease, and you're able to calm down a bit. So think about that. Are there folks in my world that I can just have a really genuinely comforting, calming 20-second hug with? All right. The third one from the Nagowskis is a good night's sleep. And I wrote, well, it's kind of difficult if you're stressed the fuck out. Fuck my life. <laughs> so this one, I think, is a really, really great idea. And I think the the best things that we can do around this is to start valuing sleep. So getting to the bottom of insomnia, if you have it, working with good sleep hygiene, 
I've worked with people in a hypnotic capacity where we use hypnotherapy to rectify some disordered sleep patterns. I don't think it's a simple answer. Sometimes it's substance abuse. Sometimes it is because of the other underlying health issues. Like it can be very, very complicated. So the idea of just get a good night's sleep, I don't think always works for everyone. But I do think we can all start making it important and start searching out remedies for that, searching out practitioners or help to aid in a really good night's sleep. At the very least, I think we can combat the idea that we are somehow extra amazing and get brownie points if we function on less sleep. That's ridiculous. That's bullshit. In fact, we know now that lack of sleep can be more detrimental to your health than even lack of food and water. So I believe, I think it's food that we can go longer. Somebody would need to fact check me on this. I think you have to, you can go longer without food than you can without sleep. So it's imperative. We have to have this for our bodies, okay? So some additional ideas to help mitigate this stress response and kind of feign the closure, even if we're going to go back into another stressful situation, even if we can't eliminate the actual stressor. The first one is check your self-inflicted overwhelm. Check the ways that you have stockpiled your stresses because, quote, who else is going to do it? Or no one else does it right. Or everyone's expecting it of me. Or I've always been the one who's done this thing. I have an acronym for it. It's POD, P-O-D. Very applicable since this is a pod. And the pod acronym stands for postpone, omit, and delegate. What are the things that you can kick down the road a little longer that maybe aren't as emergent today or this week? What can we postpone? And that could be telling people in your life that things are going to need to be postponed. That you're not going to get to a specific project for a colleague until two weeks from now. It might be letting your laundry sit for one more goddamn day or two days, whatever. Is there something that you can release and postpone or better yet, omit altogether? That's the second one. Is there anything that you have put on your plate that really does not have to be done. This could be something like volunteering, where you always volunteer for your kid's school. Ideally, you would love to have the energy for it. But with everything else that's going on, maybe you have a a brand new baby, or you've got a really crazy work project that's a season of your work life, something else that's going on where you go, okay, I can't keep giving and giving and giving around every corner. Something has to be omitted. So maybe it's I'm not going to participate in this thing that I've always participated in because I just don't have the mental and emotional real estate. Delegate is the D. Who else can take on stuff? This is where I was really pointing to getting help. Who else can I assign things to. I remember years and years ago, I worked with a client on dividing up and delegating the household duties. Her children were completely older. There was no reason why they couldn't participate in taking care of the home. And she had bought into this narrative that I need to handle all of the things. 
And in letting go of some of those things and giving them to other individuals, she was able to free up so much more space for herself. It's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all. It might be where you're specifically looking at things you can delegate in your workplace, that maybe taking a little bit of extra time to train somebody how to do something is worth it in the long run so that you don't have to keep taking care of that one report every fucking month. All right. Another thing you can do, ask for help, y'all. Call in the allies. This can look a ton of different ways. This can be anything from just straight talking it out, giving it space, talking out the things that you're stressed about or frustrated with, with a therapist or a coach. You know I'm a huge fan of both. It can also be something like hiring help, somebody to maybe be an assistant if you're an entrepreneur hiring somebody to to take on some of those tasks that you just don't have space for. It could be hiring somebody to help you out in your home. And I do recognize that that is an extreme privilege that not everybody has. For many, many years, hiring somebody to clean my home it was laughable. So I'm not saying that that's how it has to look. I'm just saying look for those opportunities. How can I actually get support? Who are the allies that I can lean on? The next one is really getting clear on your priorities. What are the things that are taking my time? And are the things that are taking my time in alignment with how I really want my life to be? Most of the time, we have some obligatory things that we're doing that we can relinquish, that we can let go of. And that aren't actually about our deepest desires. So it could be that you really, really, really want to get a side hustle going, but you're constantly saying yes to event coordination for your sorority or your alumni group or your church group or fill in the fucking group. So are there things that are taking up your time? That maybe it's just not the season for it. Maybe it's the season to really put yourself first instead. Next item is get comfortable saying no. Get comfortable saying no. As simple as, I really appreciate you asking. I would love to come through for you. But to be honest, I cannot put one more thing on my plate. I think I will implode. (laughs) I truly hope you can understand. Write down a very specific phrase that you are going to use to start saying no. We have done numerous podcasts on or episodes here on the show about saying no. We'll definitely link that in the show notes so that you can take a deeper dive if that's a bigger problem for you. I will tell you this, a lot of workplace stress can be mitigated by saying, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not able to take that on, or by presenting it as an option and saying, hey, I would love to be able to complete this for you. I have this other thing that's on my plate that's really emergent. Do you want it, like if it's your boss, do you want me to swap the priorities? Would you rather me take this on? So you're not just saying, I'll take it. I'll take it. Sure. Yes, 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 yes. Because what happens when you do that, what happens when you say yes over and over and over again and don't 
express the impact of the yes, the other person then thinks that it's super easy. It's no big deal. You can absolutely take it on. You have to at least give them the opportunity to be what you need, and you have to do that by speaking up about what what you're carrying at the moment. So start getting comfortable with saying no and check the show notes for a deeper dive on that. Another thing you can do is look for healthy comforts, things that really exemplify safety and and security and comfort, things like weighted blankets, connecting or calling a friend or family member who really feels safe. They're always kind of a safe place to land. Sometimes even nostalgia, looking back through old photographs or videos or memories of people who you feel really safe with can be extremely comforting. Various types of essential oils and fragrances can be really soothing and safe feeling. I burn incense constantly. It's something that helps me feel really calm. So look for the things that feel comforting. Is it and that feel healthy? Maybe it's maybe it's tea. Tea can be such a comforting feeling or a long bath. Soothing that nervous system. Another thing you can do is practice gratitude. Just simply tallying the things that are going well can help you distance yourself a little bit from the things that are causing you stress. None of these things are a catch-all. None of these things are going to supersede an incredibly stressful environment. So if you are in either a workplace or a home life that are incredibly, incredibly stressful, you're going to have to start thinking about ways that you can mitigate that relationship. It does not mean that you have to quit or anything like that, but it might mean you have to get really comfortable saying no, establishing some boundaries, asking for help, postpone, omit, and delegate. There's going to be some shifts that need to be made. Watching yourself talk can be really helpful. Some things that I say to myself when I'm extremely stressed out is I'll say, I'm not at my best, but I will be. Or I am in need of a recharge. One of my favorites is I am in high demand right now. I'm extremely in high demand. Also saying something, if this is true, like this is just temporary, this is just a season, just get through tomorrow, just get through this week, something like that, where you're reminding yourself that this will come to a conclusion. And then finally, a primal scream. Oh, these can be so healing. And I would suggest doing it in an area where no one's going to think you're being murdered. (laughs) So hopefully you have some sort of sanctuary. But you can also do silent screams where you're just like, (laughs) where you're, you're not using the breadth of your vocal cords, but you're tensing up your entire body. You're you're tensing all of your your muscles holding 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 and then release right anything like that where you are releasing the valve of tension can be incredibly helpful so there you have a ton of ideas so what i would love for you to think about here as we've gone through this 
analyzing your specific stressors, what are they? What are those elements that are really contributing to the emotional or physical feelings of distress? Are there any stresses you can stressors you can remove? Are there any ways you can scale down or get rid of them altogether? And then what are some of the stress-relieving activities that you can commit to? These are just a handful. There are a ton of things you can do. Is that a matter of just getting online and researching and finding some other lists, but thinking about what is it going to be for me? Am I going to shake it out and dance it out for like five minutes and just move? Am I going to request a hug from somebody that I trust? Am I going to really evaluate my self-inflicted overwhelm? Are there elements that I'm taking on? Am I going to work on saying no? Am I going to reevaluate my priorities, look for healthy comforts? start a gratitude practice. I want you to think about what feels doable for you. And then I want you to actually fucking do it. I'm really hoping that these two episodes have been helpful around looking at the stress that you incur, knowing that there are many ways that our society sets us up to fucking fail, and that it can be one of the fiercest acts of rebellion and liberation to say, I'm going to rest. I'm going to say no. I'm going to ask for help. In fact, that reminds me, I did an episode about rest. And we'll link to that in the show notes of what that even fucking means and how important that is and how we dismiss it all the time of like, yeah, 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 I know I need rest. And then when we have white space, we're so pissed at ourselves for not actually being productive. Where does that come from, y'all? That comes from the demand on us to produce, to take care of everybody else, to give and give and give. So if we want to, again, give that big fuck you to that oppression, we need to start making some different decisions. So do it for the resistance, y'all. I'm hoping this has been helpful for you. Stay tuned next week. We're going to be starting a new series specifically around body image. Talk about stressful <laughs> and things that our society puts on on women uh, really unfairly and what we can do to start untangling that. You are not going to want to miss it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Lexi and Dr. Lindsay Kite. They're twin sisters, again, sort of like a twin theme, I guess, and they've written a book called More Than a Body. I'm going to be talking with Dr. Lexi next week, and you will not want to miss it. You're going to wear a hole in that episode, I guarantee you. It It's a call to arms, so stay tuned for that. I will see you around these parts next week, and please remember, you are enough. Your voice matters, so go out there and tell the bold-faced truth. Peace. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.